Buckle it up and strap it down, everybody. We're taking a trip to the old Duke farm. That's right. We're just two good old boys, but we never mean it no harm. Today's episode, everybody, we talk about the television great 1979 to Tuesday and it started playing that Friday night. So you get so you call some reruns. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember watching it on television. I that that's see it just shows my age again right there. Why well, I'm always the older one on here? What's <laughs> so, up with that? I mean, well, I, I get somebody. I get somebody that's older than me to be on here one week. I mean, I remember like from season probably four, like. Yeah, probably like four. Whatever was like the season that Bo and Luke was on there for a little bit. And then the next time it come around, it was the other two cousins. I want to say season five was Coy and Vince. Okay, I remember like season four. remember watching it live, you know, it coming on on Friday nights. And then the older ones, I remember I watched in reruns. But, I mean, that was... In high school, me and my brother would race home from school because TNN back then, Spike or whatever they call it now, mm-hmm. is, at four o'clock would have the Dukes of Hazard on, and we would race home or race to his house or his grandma's house every day after we got out of school. So we watch the Dukes of Hazard when they came on at four o'clock. Yeah, and then I'm looking here. It was definitely fifth season when that happened. Uh, uh, we'll touch more on it in a minute, but it mentions that uh, Wolpat and Snyder did not report to the set in protest over the matter of their contracts, I believe. And it says Catherine Buck also considered it, but uh, didn't do it. I guess the two boys convinced her to stay, insisting that if she left, there might not be a show to come back to. So them settling the issue was up to them. So they bring in Coy and Vance, and that's in the fifth season. They, they end up working through the problems, of course, and getting things fixed, obviously, and they come back for the last two. But uh, this this television show, just give it a brief rundown. I mean, if there's anybody out there who was, you know, in a cave or under a rock or 
know, something like this, you just don't know why or what the Dukes of Hazard is. Let me just run it down for you quick. It's a little brief synopsis of the show and basically starts with this. It's an American action comedy television series that was aired on CBS from January 26th of 1979 to February the 8th, 1985. Now, this is from Wikipedia. Um, I didn't see much of it on IMDb. They kept bringing the movie up and we weren't talking that. But it also says the show aired for 147 episodes spanning seven seasons. It was consistently among the top-rated television series in the late 70s, at one point ranking second only to Dallas, which immediately followed the show on CBS's Friday night schedule. And I do remember that because my mom loved Dallas, and Dukes of Hazzard was mine first. I had the TV first, and she had it second, and then I would find something else to do before bed. But uh, the show is about two young male cousins, Bo and Luke Duke, who live in rural Georgia and are on probation for moonshine running. The young men and their friends and their female cousin Daisy Duke and other family members, such as the patriarch Uncle Jesse, have various escapades as they evade the corrupt county commissioner Boss Hogg and law officer Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. The young men drive a customized 1969 Dodge Charger, nicknamed the General Lee, which became a symbol of the show. Now, here's something, right? I'm going to bring it a few minutes with you. We're going to go over it a little bit deeper, but just to ask you. Do you know what inspired the TV show, The Dukes of Hazzard? Uh, I remember there's a movie, but I can't think of the name of it right off the top of my head. Uh, you are right. There was it a was movie. A, mm-hmm. it, was like a, it was about bootlegging, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Right. It is a 1975 film called Moon Runners. Yeah. That was the name of it, about a bootlegger family, which was also created by Guy Waldron and had many identical or similar character names and concepts. Uh, The show was the basis for a film of the same title in 2005 as well. But this, uh, this, this movie in 75 gave them the idea to bring this show to CBS to see how, how well it would do. And it was about two cousins that were bootleggers and running shine for their uncle Jesse. And their last names were Hag, H-A-G-G. So similar to Hog, H-O-G-G. There was a guy running the town who was a friend of Uncle Jesse's when they were younger, working for his father, running shine. Uh, Ben Jones, who played Cooter in the TV series, was also in this movie. And he played a revenuer, of all things. So, oh wow, that was kind of interesting. And um, like I said, we'll go a little bit deeper into it in just a minute. I just want to touch on it for a second. There's some uh, uh, a lot more similarities to the TV show than uh, what you probably know in that movie. And that was that was kind of uh, fun for me to learn. Uh, a friend of mine that went with me this past weekend to go see Tom Wolpat in Nashville at the uh, Cooter's Place. Uh, Doug Dickens uh, asked me this question if I knew it, and I did not know it. I just thought it was something they came up with as a a good idea for, you know, the show on CBS. And he was like, no, it's based off a movie, off the same premise. You know, they were were bootleggers, moonshiners, and all this stuff, and a a lot of similarities to the TV show. He said, you'll go look it up. So sure enough, I looked it up, and I was amazed at how similar it was. And 
the different way things played off of it. It was really kind of cool. I'm, I'm I'm tempted to look see if I can find that movie somewhere just so I can watch it and see how identical or similar it is to how the TV show ran. Now I've heard about it and read about it. I've never watched it. I've never been able to find it streaming anywhere or bought a a DVD copy. Which you probably if you search hard enough, you'll probably find a DVD copy. Probably could. I mean, maybe looking on Amazon, you may come across something there. It's got practically everything else. No. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me too much. And also, too, I know I read a thing where they were talking about it. That also, the whole thing with uh, the CB radios and the like, smoking the bandit and convoy and you know movies like that that had a big to do with the. CB radios, they also wanted to intertwine all that, because I guess it was huge to have a CB radio in your car in the late 70s, early 80s. I, th- I think it was. I mean, it was, a, it was a method of communication while you were on the go, for one. Yeah. So that, that was cool right there on its own. It's not like we had cell phones at that time. We could carry around and stick in our pocket. And If there was a cell phone in, it was probably big enough to be a brick and knock somebody out. I think at best, you might have had bag phones available, and I don't know if they were available at that time frame or not. I don't even think they were. Yeah, I'd have to look that up and see when the bag phone first came out that you could carry around in the car or had a car phone installed in the car. Uh, I, I, really remember, remember. I think it was Dallas, maybe, the first time I remember seeing a car phone. And it actually looked like a phone that you would actually have like hanging up in your kitchen on the wall with Mm-hmm. That style headset and the cord to it and all that good stuff. It wasn't even a cordless phone. It was like a regular phone phone in your car. Yeah, I remember seeing some like it on different shows. I mean, it's you'd answer the phone in your car and it'd have a cord on it going from your center console basically to you pick it up by the side of your head and hold it to your ear and the cord's connecting it down there, just like mm-hmm. one hanging off your kitchen wall that you would walk around with. Uh, so, I mean, having a CB radio was a fairly big deal. And I guess the stronger the CB radio and the bigger your antenna, the further distance you would get a signal and pick things up. And you're always in communication. And then, of course, you had to have a handle. Everybody yep. had a handle if you were on there. So, I mean, when it came to the Dukes, you know, you had uh, when the boys were out running around and they want to find them, you know, they would get on there and they would, look for the lost sheep they would call them uh, Uncle Jesse would be Shepherd and they would look for the lost sheep and Daisy would be Bo Peep yep so, and then Cooter was just crazy Cooter crazy Cooter that's right and there wasn't no hiding it you know <laughs> you gotta know who it is at that point you're giving yourself up right there yeah. I always thought that was funny oh uh, and I always thought it was funny how they, they would talk wide open on the CVs, like nobody's picking up their channel. Like, yeah. you, know, so many, you know, have so many channels, right? So, yeah. I mean, it was like, hey, we're on the secret channel. Nobody will listen to our conversation. Let's just talk about everything right now. Yeah, so, they wouldn't even try to do, like, smoking the Bandit. We're smoking the Bandit had, you know, we're going to fool them. We're going to go, if I say this day, this uh, channel, we're going to this channel, and that channel, we're going to this channel. Right. I say two, you go four. I say four, you go eight. You know, whatever yeah. the case may be or something. They had all figured out. 
the show itself, you know, people laughed at the show when it first came on. Really? They, uh, there was people laughing and making fun of the show. Uh, some of them referred to them as, you know, the snobbish people who didn't believe that a show like that could take off because of what it was about. It's about some, yeah. you know, just some country boys that were running moonshine and everything, you know, who had uh, good family values and Bible beliefs and everything. And they said, that's not going to fly. No one's going to watch that show. That's just not going to work. It it originally was, I think, I think it might have been originally put out to be a filler for something in between seasons. Yeah, it was a, because it was a mid-season replacement show. Yeah, and it ended up taking off, and people loved it, and they they ordered more, you know, more episodes to be done, more seasons. The first four or five episodes were filmed in somewhere in Georgia outside of Atlanta, and uh, so there's a lot of people who think that they can go out and find these areas today still, and the show might have been, you know, taped and recorded, but you're not going to find it looking the same by any means. Things have changed. You know, a lot of these places that might have been older roads or maybe even some of them dirt roads, a lot of them might be paved over by now and everything. It's not like you're going to drive around and like you're the general lead driving through the back roads, hanging yeah. curves and everything, you know, well, drifting and such. It's funny you say that because there is an episode. I don't remember what episode it was. It was one of the early ones because Daisy didn't have the Jeep. She had the yellow Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. But there is a, me and my brother realized it watching it one day. When they're driving through, there is actually a street sign for Interstate 85 that runs, you know, from Atlanta through South Carolina to Charlotte and on up towards Virginia and all that. Mm-hmm. There is a street sign that you can you barely see it. It has eighty five North Greenville mm-hmm. off the side of the road. That's hilarious. And the only reason we realize it because that's where we're from is from Greenville, South Carolina, and right. That's and where yeah. it is. So that we just happen to see that, and we're like. Holy cow, that was actually closer to here than what we thought it was. Yeah, but they only did like four or five episodes, though. Then everything else was moved to California. Yeah. So um, I remember John Schneider uh, had a little documentary of some sort that he was doing where he was revisiting some of the places where they had filmed chase scenes and such. And they were in California. And yeah. he would be on this stretch of road. And he's, I recognize that big tree right over there. You know, it's, it's different now. It's a little bigger. The area around it is more grown up or you know, we got this paved road through here now. He goes, it, was, it wasn't anything like this then exactly, but you'd be sitting right here and they'd be filming with the camera going straight down this highway here and catching us or the stunt driver, he'd say, come up this way and just zipping right past going as fast as they could and everything with the, you know, the sheriff's car right behind them or the deputy chasing them. And, um, so he, he went over a lot of that and then how that stuff went. Uh, he, he did, he talked about the area in Georgia where they did some filming. Um, I, honestly, I, I wish they would have kept everything as much as they could done in that area in Georgia for more realistic to the show. But I mean, yeah. it's not like they really missed a beat either with the fake setup they had. They still did pretty well with that. So I, I can't say anything too bad about that. 
you know, that's the funny part. You talk about him having that and it being, you know, he lied to actually even get an audition for that show. He What's that? Went in, I said he, uh, John Snyder lied to even get an audition for that show. He went in, he had made his whole thing up, a whole backstory for itself. You know, he mm-hmm. was from the South. He was a race car driver and, all this to even get a to even get an audition, and then he had it's to figure way, out how to do all that. It, it's the way he showed up on set, though, is what got him hired. They said the look he had, and then his uh his his audition at that point, the way he looked and the way he portrayed himself. Yeah, uh, they pretty much you know hired him on the spot based on that. The way he had the look going on, had a bit of a, a beard going on, had a, a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just and I guess he had I guess he had the cowboy hat on or something. He had the whole look going on, and they liked what they seen out of him and went ahead and, and brought him in and hired him. Yeah. Um. Back to uh, this movie from earlier, though. I want to touch on a couple quick things on that, and then we're gonna jump right back to the TV show. Some of the similarities here. Some of the similarities in it. It's just uncanny. Going to the Moon Runners now for the page there. Uh, Robert Mitchum and James Mitchum, I think, were in the movie together, or at least uh, one, or at least James Mitchum was for sure. So it's about a Southern family who runs bootleg liquor, reworked four years later into a popular series called The Dukes of Hazard. Um, further down the way here. Now, the plot of this movie, the story is narrated the movie. Is narrated by the balladeer, and can you take your guess on who the balladeer was? Was it Waylon on that one too? Waylon Jennings introduces and comments on the story of cousins Grady and Bobby Lee Hag, who run bootleg liquor for their uncle Jesse Hag of Shiloh County. Uh, uncle Jesse's a Baptist who knows the Bible better than the local preacher. He says, <laughs> just like Uncle Jesse in the TV series. Yeah. Um, they got their own version of Daisy in here. I forgot what her name was in it. But um, one of them has a race car that he drives. It's a 55 Chevrolet stock car, number 54, named Traveler. And Traveler was General Lee's horse. That's what he called his horse. And of course, Traveler, later on in the TV. Hmm? That was Uncle Jesse's car in the TV show. Are you sure? I'm pretty I sure. I thought it was called something else. No, I think Uncle Jesse's car was Traveler. That was know, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute when we get back to the Dukes of Hazard because we got a list of the cars that were part of the show I want to talk about too. And yeah. it'll probably come out and it'll probably come out on that. But it says Traveler was the, the name of General Lee's horse, and of course the car for the Dukes of Hazard was General Lee. Um it says uh Grady, who was the guy that drove that stock car. Is briefly mentioned as probably having a number of children around Shiloh in Tennessee, which there was a another comment like that in the Deuce of Hazard first episode where Bo half jokes that half the children in the local orphanage could be his cousin Lutz. Uh, until they picked up their more family friendly tone, they changed the way they made their little comments and stuff. They changed all that. There was a, another friend of theirs in the movie that drove. His name was Cooter Pettigrew. And of course, Cooter Davenport is the guy who is the mechanic in town in Hazard County. 
Ben Jones, who plays Cooter, played in the movie as a revenue agent. The county boss is Jake Rainey, who was a friend of Jesse's from the old days. They both bootlegged together for Jesse's father. Uh, Jake Rainey owns all the town and has ties to the uh, mob-type people in New York. And he's always doing these different things and trying to, you know, pull schemes over everybody and then get away with bad stuff and everything. Um, so several names and places and situations from the film were used in the Dukes of Hazard as well. Uh, they had no setback from it, nobody challenged it or anything. Waylon Jennings is a balladeer. The Boar's Nest is a tavern in both the movie and the TV series. Uh, although toned down with the TV series, the relationship between cousins Bo and Luke is similar to that of Bobby Lee and Grady in Moonrunners. Uh, Uncle Jesse is a patriarch in both. He's widowed in both. Bearded, moon, former moonshiner, strong religious beliefs, raising his nephews. Uh, they dress similar with overalls and shirts and stuff. Uh, Jake Rainey playing Boss Hall. In the movie, Jesse calls Jake Rainey Hog as an insult. And he's the boss. So they take the name Boss Hog and put that in Dukes of Hazard. Uh, Sheriff Roscoe Coltrane is in Moonrunners. They bring that name into Dukes of Hazard, and he's Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. By the way, do you know what P stands for? No. Later in the series, they uh, they say uh, he's having some kind of a fake marriage or something like that they're doing. And they announced his name as Roscoe Purvis Coltrane. Oh, wow. No wonder why he goes by Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's the same thing in the TV show as the movie. The boys can't have any firearms because of their probation. So they use hunting bows tipped with dynamite. That's you know, their form of taking care of things. So, crazy how this stuff happens. Uh, ben Jones is Fred, a revenue agent. Is Cooter Davenport in the series, uh, C. Pete Monroe as Zebo in the film, and Willie in season two's episode Jude Emery. I remember that one with Jude Emery in it. Bill Gribble as Cooter in the film, and in the in the second episode of the first season, Daisy Song plays a character called Carson, and then Jerry Rushing as Jake Rennie's bodyguard in the film. He's the crooked used car salesman Ace Parker in the fourth episode of Repo Man. First season. So no. they get so much so many similarities, man. It's just out it's just crazy how similar it is. And nobody's ever really brought it up and talked about it much over the years that I can ever recall. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean they they change as little as possible to make it work. And let's see if we can get here for you and uh, just go over a list of names from the show that made this such a, a great cast, a strong cast together and everything. Tom Wolpat, John Schneider played the Duke, uh, the Duke brother, brothers. The Duke boys. I can't talk today. Uh, Luke Duke and Bo Duke. Catherine Bach plays their cousin Daisy Duke. Denver Pyle, who was in so many good stuff you know, over the years, plays Jesse Duke. James Best, who has been around forever and done a lot of great things, and Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. Sorrel Book, who was mainly a more serious type of actor, they said, like stage, doing stage stuff and, you know, serious type roles, uh, played Boss Hogg. 
Ben Jones is Cooper Davenport. Sonny Schroyer is Deputy Enos Strait. Uh, Rick Hurst is Deputy Cletus Hall, who is um, a little bit more wily than Enos, but still tried to make Boss kind of go straight in the end, you know, not be yep. so dirty. Uh, Waylon Jennings is a balladeer, and then, of course, later on, they brought in Byron Cherry and Christopher Mayer as Coy and Vance Duke to replace Bo Luke for a season. Uh, uh, Bo's name, Beauregard, that's another uh, thing from the movie. Uncle Jesse's mule in the movie Moonrunner was named Beauregard. In the TV show, they take the name Beauregard and say it's uh, John Schneider's character's real name, but he wants to go by Bo. When he gets brought up as Beauregard, he corrects him real fast. He says, Bo. Bo. <laughs> not Beauregard. <clears throat> so, uh, a lot of things here that's, that's just really, really crazy. The The best thing about this series sometimes, though, they talk about it being like a family-type show, good family values with the dudes and everything. How you could learn a lot from Uncle Jesse, they would say. You know, they always, they're like, what the world needs is a little more Uncle Jesse, they say. Yep. And, uh, to teach people these life lessons and family lessons and how you should treat each other and everything. But one of the f- most fun relationships in the entire se- uh, series is Roscoe and Boss Hall. You know, his, his, his little fat buddy, his little metal muffin, his little chrome dome. Mm-hmm. You know, all these little nicknames he had for him and how, you know, it's like Boss would seem like he's treating him bad, but then you can see how he does really care about him ultimately in, in, in the mix of things. Never lets him have any of his food. He may, no. he may, have, may have a feast there and feed Tim, but if Roscoe reached for one chicken, then he'd get his hand slapped. Yep. Um, Boss would hate the dog. He hated Flash. And Flash didn't like Boss because he was a bad person. But wouldn't do anything to anybody else. Wouldn't bark at anybody else. Wouldn't even get up and move. He didn't even pick up and carry it everywhere. It's like he just had no legs or something. Yeah. That's what how they treated him. Um, but, you know, I, there was also, like when Bo and Luke left, we experienced something in the first or second season. I forget which one it was. Uh, James Best was kind of um, boycotting the show a little bit. And they wrote him out as saying he was being sent to some kind of a, uh, not a school of some sort, but some kind of a sheriff's retreat kind of thing where they send, where they get to and they compare notes and learn things from each other and stuff. And yeah. uh, they had a, cu- a couple different people took the role, like Dick Sargent played Sheriff Brady Bird. And uh, I think another guy was in there. I forget what. Uh, what his name was, but he was very brief. I think Grady was the one Grady Bird played the most. Which, funny enough, there's the name Grady from the movie, but now he's a sheriff, Grady Bird. What was the sheriff in the other county? The one at the boys? Sheriff Little. Yes. Sheriff Little, always wanting them Duke boys. They come through his county, he was ready. Yeah, but he would get Roscoe and Boss too. He didn't. He was the one that walked a straight line. He didn't. He didn't care what he was. And I always thought it was funny. He'd be driving the car and had the motorcycle police helmet on. 
Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he was uh, he was more of the real cop of the show. Yeah, I would say Roscoe was actually you know voted in sheriff, but there was always illegal speed traps set up and you know false things they were doing to look like they were you know getting the Duke boys or something or just anybody else for for tickets for revenue and stuff and and but, but little sheriff little was all about you know come to my county. I know what you did ten years ago. I still yeah. remember that. I'm, I'm here to get you for that. Yeah. I'll get you for something. Right. I wish I could see here what it was. I just read this earlier. Uh, what he was doing. Let's see if I can find it again. Sheriff Roscoe Coltrane, the bumbling corrupt sheriff of Hazard County and right-hand man of brother-in-law, Jefferson Davis Hogg. And of course, uh, yeah, he he married uh, Roscoe's sister Lulu. Yep. It is mentioned that Roscoe spent the first twenty years of his career as a mostly honest lawman, but after the county voted away his pension, Roscoe joined Hogg in the effort to fund his retirement and his last couple of years as sheriff. Early episodes portray him as a fairly hard-nosed, somewhat darker police character, and even shoots a criminal during his first season. As the series progressed, the producers recognized how popular it become with the children and best altered his portrayal to a more bumbling, comical character. By the end of the first season, his origin had been virtually forgotten and his job as sheriff appeared to become open-ended. As Roscoe is the younger brother of Lulu Coltrane Hogg, while saw his wife, Roscoe frequently initiates car chases with Bo and Luke. The Duke boys usually elude Roscoe by outwitting him, with Roscoe typically wrecking his patrol car. Quote unquote, made me scuff my vehicle. Yep. That's a horrendous crash. A horrendous crash, yes. <laughs> that, that was normally always when him and Cletus or him and Enos wrecked in to get each other. Yeah, yeah, and, and, but he always enjoyed being in hot pursuit. Uh huh. And I'm not finding where it says that he had. Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, oh, oh, his radio code name, in case you didn't know, his handle was Red Dog. I don't ever remember that. I don't either. Apparently, apparently at some point they announced his uh, radio name is Red Dog. It says when Best briefly boycotted the show during the mid-second season, he was temporarily replaced by several one-off sheriffs, the longest standing being Sheriff Brady Bird, played by Dick Sargent. So it doesn't really tell why he was doing it, but that he did just kind of boycott the show for a little bit. I've heard James Best talk about it in a, in a old documentary you can find on YouTube where he's remembering him and Sorrel Book from the show and everything. And I think he talks about it in there, about what uh, had happened and what his thoughts on it was at the time. He wasn't happy with the direction it was going. But I don't recall uh, the exact words he was saying about it. I'm going to go back and look that up again. I wish I'd thought about it before we started this. And earlier today, I couldn't look it up and get the gist of it, but I completely forgot about it, though. Of him actually being replaced for a little bit. Um, so going on down the way here, uh, Coy Duke and Vance Duke, they did not do much at all of changing them around from Bo and Luke. I mean, they were practically supposed to be identical to Bo and Luke. You got a blonde haired that likes to chase the girls and drive the car fast and crazy, and you got the darker haired one of the two who was in a services of some sort. 
who does all the planning and everything, is more level-headed and calm, can still drive the car just as well. But, you know, the only... They've dressed the same, for crying out loud. Well, that's what I was going to say. The only thing they did when they did Coy and Vance is they switched them. Coy did dress like Luke did and did more of the mechanical side. Yes. Um, Vance dressed like Bo and did more of the driving side of the duo. Right. Right. That, that was the only difference. Is it went from the blonde-headed driving and the brown-headed being the mechanic to the blonde being the mechanic and the brown-headed being the driver. That was the, <laughs> biggest, that was the biggest difference. And if you look at them by, side by side, they just did that because I guess they didn't want to take the time to have the boys redo their hair because if they would have dyed Vance's hair and dyed Coy's hair, they would have looked more like the other one, who they were replacing, because Luke and Coy was a little bit shorter than Vance and Bo was, and, but they were stockier built guys, too. Yeah. But uh, the reception of Coy Duke and Vance Duke was not very well done with the fans. Uh, they were not received very well at all. People wanted Bo and Luke back out there. They didn't like the fact that Bo and Luke has now left for the NASCAR circuit. Uh, and now we get two replacement cousins in there that kind of look and act just like them. It's not the same thing. I, maybe if they had made the cousins a little more different, maybe yeah. it would have maybe it would have helped some. But ultimately, uh, mo- a lot of people are glad that it didn't because that helped CBSC when the ratings were uh, declining. That they needed Tom Wolpat and John Schneider back, and they brought them back in. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, one of the two, uh, Christopher Mayer, that played Vance Duke, uh, he is uh, he, he died in February, uh, July of 2011. Yep. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking him up now if it was natural causes or if it was something different. I'm not sure which. I'm about I to find out. Had, I think he was gotten cancer or something, if I want to recall right. I may be off about it, but. Well, it says Mayor was found dead of natural causes in his Los Angeles home in Sherman Oaks. Yeah. So he he, he may have had some type of uh, cancerous. It could have, and, and you know, and this guy went on to be in a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't want to go too off topic here, uh, but since he is a member of the Dukes uh, family, basically into the, the Dukes of Hazard family, uh, I'm gonna take a little quick here and. Just Simon, he he was on things, different shows like Love Boat, Simon and Simon, um, uh, soap opera Santa Barbara, Silk Stalkings, uh, the show Renegade in nineteen ninety four, and the episode Once Burned, Twice Shy, uh, Shy spelled in short for Cheyenne on the show. If you've ever watched Renegade, then you know what I'm talking yep. about. Um, he was in the TV show Weird Science for an episode, Silk Stalkings again. Uh, Xeno Warrior Princess, uh, Baywatch Knights, Raven, another episode of Renegade, uh, where he played a different character, um, Sliders, just a little bit part in Sliders, Baywatch, Pacific Blue, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, up until 2018, Wheels of Justice, and that's the last known thing that's got him listed in here. So, um, 
you know, it's just a sad bit of news. You know, there's a lot of people as part of the Dukes of Hazard family that are no longer with us. Thor Book, James Best, um, Denver Pyle, of course. You know, a lot of big parts of the show are just no longer around. But uh, we still have a few with us, you know, to this day. I mean, Bo, Luke, and Daisy are still there. Cletus and Enos are still alive and with us. Uh, Cooter's still around. Cooter just either just celebrated or is about to celebrate his 81st birthday, one of the two, at one of his uh, Cooter's Place stores in Luray, Virginia. So happy birthday to him. So going on down, we're moving down toward, uh, I'm going to go past the secondary characters because it just touches on Huey Hogg and Emery Potter and it talks about Maybell and uh, Lulu and Miss Tisdale, you know, the post office and everything. Uh, that sheriff you asked about, Edward Thomas, Big Ed Little. That was his name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Doc Appleby. Anyway, um, this is one of the things I want to touch about. It's such a, it's a, such a popular show over seven seasons. And tell me, Ray, if you were around at that time, would you not have tried your best to get some type of a role on that show at least once? Heck I yeah. Listen to some of these names that have popped up on there. And you may not recognize them. If you if you don't know who it is, just ask me. And I, I, I think I recognize where most of them are from. But Alan Autry, who also went by Carlos Brown early in his career. But Alan Autry, who was on In the Heat of the Night. James Avery, who was Uncle Phil. Um, yeah. You got, uh see, more known names here. Jonathan Frakes, who was the uh, number one on Star Trek The Next Generation. Janie Fricky, who was a country music singer. David Graff from Police Academy. MC Ganey, who was in Con Air and a few other things. Um, gosh, Dennis Haskins, who was the sheriff. I'm not sheriff. Who was the principal at uh, Saved by the Bell. Uh, Ernie Hudson. I think he was in, was he uh, Ghostbusters? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Kevin he was in yeah. Uh, buddy. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who I believe was uh, Bigfoot and Harry and the Hendersons, amongst other things. Uh, Waylon Jennings, of course. Stephanie Kramer. Lance Legault. Loretta Lynn. Uh, Brian James, who's been a bad guy in a lot of movies and TV shows. L.Q. Jones, who was in uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid, the Chef Morris's uh, old, old partner. John Matuzak, who played Sloth in the Goonies and was a football player for the Raiders. Gerald McRaney from Simon and Simon. Richard Maul, who was Bull in Night Court. Charles Napier, played one of the Rambo movies for sure. Roy Orbison, Johnny Paycheck, Kim Richards, Dick Sargent. Uh, I, I'm skipping a lot of names. There's a lot of names on here. These are just the ones that stand out to me. Mel Tillis, uh, Dottie West, Hal Williams. Uh, Tammy Wynette and Kelly Yarborough. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember Carol Yarborough. He was on a couple, I think. They had some kind of a race he had to go to. Uh, Terry Labonte makes a brief uncredited appearance as a crewman in the member Undercover Dukes Part 1. It says it here as well. So Then they had the famous Celebrity Speed Trap. I love these episodes. Boss and Roscoe get that, that speed trap. There's this one road where all the celebrities have to go through 
to get to Nashville to come when they go on the road down south. They got to come back through there to get to Nashville. So it's the easiest way without going a real long way around. So they set up a speed trap for them, and they always get them to perform at the Boar's Nest to tear up their tickets. Yep, and they would charge a cover. I remember them having a charge a cover fee <laughs> for people to come in and see them. Right, there would be a cover fee. Then, of course, all the beers and everything they would sell and everything. It was just, it was always a fun part of the show to see them up there singing their songs and everything. And it was always mostly country music stars. I think they're all country music for the most part. But uh, yeah. just, a, just a few of the names. Um, Mickey Gilly, Loretta Lynn, Hoyt Axton. Donnie, uh, Donna Fargo, Freddie Fender, the Oak Ridge Boys twice, Roy Orbison, Buck Owens, Johnny Paycheck was my favorite one. He gets on there yeah. and does uh, take this job and shove it, and every time he says he's looking at Boss Hogg, and Sorrel Book plays it off so well like he's offended because he's telling him to take this and shove it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and every time he does it, you hear the Duke Boys laughing in the background and everything in it. Then you got Mel Tillis, Dottie West, Tammy Wynette and Waylon Jennings, the show's narrator, actually gets on there as one of the guys coming through caught in the celebrity speed trap. And they did another one too, where Waylon, or might might have been more than one. I remember they had one that was like Waylon's uh, souvenir trailer or souvenir truck or whatever gets stolen, mm-hmm. and the, the Dukes had the boss had it stolen, and the Dukes had to find it and get it back for him. Yep. Uh, Loretta Lynn guested on the show as a as an episode where she was trying to be kidnapped by criminals wanting to break into the music business. Um, the show was called Finally Loretta Lynn. I remember that when she came through town and they uh, she got stolen from there or kidnapped from there. And the people that was with her had uh, got them to help find her and everything. Uh, Janie Fricky was only the only country music guest star who did not perform a song, though. She was just a part of the, one of the episodes. She played an accomplice to a robber who hid money in the dashboard of a car that was to become the Jimmy Lee. That's the one where they did the, uh, he talked about how they got the general, the story of the General Lee, or I think that's what they called it. I believe so. But he found that it was a black Dodge Charger that was wrecked, and Mm -hmm. it even went through. They talked about oranges because, uh, Cooter had a, like a stockpile of that orange paint. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of orange paint. He said, well, let's gotta find something to do with it. Let's just paint it orange. And then by the time it's done, they've got the orange charger with the old one on the side and the rebel flag on top. And uh, Of course, now, I'm not going to go deep into this at all. I'm just going to say it one time. I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, it's It's because it's a source of a lot of hard feelings for people out there today. A lot of people take offense that the rebel flag was on top of the car. When the show was out, it was a different day and different time than what it is today. And nobody was ever offended that that show was on television. Nobody was offended that they drove the car. Nobody was offended by the flag on the car. It was just a wholesome family TV show with family values. And you never seen any episodes that was directed directly toward racism or anything like that. Why they take that show and that car and the flag on the car and say the whole show is a racist show that doesn't belong on TV is beyond me. 
There is networks losing money as we speak today. They can be playing that show and people will be watching it today. Mm-hmm. So for those of us who actually own the series, congratulations to you all. You can enjoy it whenever you want. Uh, shame on the other people. All I can say on that. Uh, but <clears throat> we were talking about how Cooter had the, the reason it ended up with the orange paint or he mm-hmm. had the access is how it ended up being orange. For one of those stupid little trivia notes that people normally don't know that I know. Uh, the reason they went with that paint is they was, it was actually a cheap paint to get back in the late seventies. Chevrolet made, or GM made two hugger oranges, one for Chevrolet and one for GMC. And that's actually the GMC pickup truck hugger orange they used on that car. <laughs> Well, I, I I say it worked. Yeah, it worked. I, I'm trying to imagine if if over the years, I mean, we can't really say it now because we're so used to seeing the orange generally. But if if the car had just been the same black color that it was with a an O one on the side and a rebel flag on the top, do you think it was stood out as much no. as it does being the orange car? Because orange just it's flashy. It stands out like red. Yeah. To me, it does anyway. Um, moving along a little quickly here, we got where the casting of Corey and Vance happened. The Dukes of Hazard was consistently among the top rated TV series. Uh, like I said earlier, second only Dallas at some points. Uh, with that success came huge profits in merchandising, and they had Dukes of Hazard on everything out there. I told you I just saw a bunch of it at the Cooper's Place in Nashville when I went there for the uh, meet and greet with Tom Wolpat. They had toys. They had action figures. They had what the doll uh, characters the size of Barbie and Ken dolls uh, that did not really look that accurate uh, as far as the the little smaller action figures did. But they had the cars out. You know, the General Lee car, the Dixie Jeep, the Plymouth Roadrunner. They had the the Boss Hogs Cadillac. I mean, the 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 Monaco. The that uh, I don't know if it was Enos or if that was Roscoe's. It might have been Roscoe's. Uh, they had Sheriff Little's car. I mean, they had cop cars from Capital City. Uncle uh, Jesse's truck. Cooter's, you know, tow truck. If you can think of it from the show, they had it. Little badge sets which said, you know, Roscoe on it or Enos on it with fake um, handcuffs and the key with it and stuff that you could wear and you could, you could be them as a kid. They had uh, trash cans. They had Lunch boxes. They had uh, race car sets for kids, little boys that love racetracks. A figure eight racetrack with Dukes of Hazard. Um, and it's just so much more stuff. I, mean, I, I I could talk all night on this and still not touch on everything they had. And we're already forty seven minutes into the show. Believe it or yeah. not, it, is, it does not feel like it at all. We are. Yeah. But anyway, back to uh, what happened. They had. Uh, the whole thing with the toys and products being licensed becoming big sellers. However, over the course of the show's fourth season, series stars Tom Wolpat and John Schneider, who had already previously voiced their concern and discontent about increasingly inferior scripts being written for episodes, became increased. Uh, I'm sorry, written for episodes became increasingly concerned about a contract dispute over their salaries and merchandising royalties owed to them from the uh, high sales of Duke's products. They felt that neither of them was being paid what was owed to them, and this became very frustrating to the duo. 
As a result, in spring of 82, the filming was due to begin the fifth season, and they didn't show up on the set or protesting the matter. Catherine Bach considered walking out, as I mentioned earlier, due to similar concerns, but Wolfpat Schneider convinced her to stay, insisting that if she left, there might not be a show to come back to, and that settling the issue was up to them. Production was pushed back by a few weeks as fairly similar-looking replacements were hastily hired. Byron Cherry as Coy Duke and Christopher Mayer as Vance Duke. Bo and Luke were said to have gone racing the NASCAR circuit. How they managed to do this, bearing in mind the terms of their probation, was never explained. Cherry and Mayer were originally contracted at just 10 episodes as stand-ins, still with hope that the settlement might be reached. In total, they made 19 episodes, including one with Bo and Luke. Some scripts for Coy and Vance were originally written for Bo and Luke, but their names quite literally crossed out and pinned in with Coy and Vance. Uh, the New Dukes were previously unmentioned nephews of Uncle Jesse, who were said to have left the farm in 76 before the show had started, were unpopular with the great majority of viewers, and the ratings immediately sank. Much of the criticism was that Coy and Vance were nothing but direct clones of Bo and Luke. That's what I was talking about earlier, trying to be a carbon copy to replace Miller. You know? That's, yep. that's what really aggravated people. And, um, this was something that even the show creator, Guy Waldron, said as it was wrong, and he insisted unsuccessfully that audiences would not accept direct clones and the two replacements should be taken to a different direction character-wise, but they didn't do it. And I just mentioned that earlier. Maybe they'd made them a little bit different to where they weren't trying to make them seem just like Bo and Luke. Maybe it would have been different. People would have received them differently, and they may have finished off the season, the series, with these two guys. Yeah. Which is good they didn't because then we never got Bo and Luke back. Right, and I'm, I'm glad that they came back. I mean, I like those two playing the roles. You're always better off with the originals. You always want to see the originals stay. Yeah, It's never fun having to get someone new to learn to like. Um, so the return of Bo and Luke, although Coy and Vance were never popular, viewers were disappointed by their departure episode, Welcome Back, Bo and Luke, which was for the most part a standard episode with the return of Bowen Luke and the departure of Coin Vance tacked onto the beginning. Uh, it's got Bowen Luke returning from the NASCAR tour, just as Coin and Vance leave Hazard to tend to a sick relative. More than a few viewers commented they were disappointed by this. They would have liked to see both pairs of Dukes team up to tackle a particularly dastardly plot by Boss Hogg before the departure. Now, that would have been cool to see, but, you know, we all know it didn't happen. Yeah, a lot of things didn't happen. Yeah, it was pretty much just, oh, Bo and Luke, they, back, okay, let's pack our stuff and get out of here. That's all they pretty much did. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, it says with Wolf Patton Snyder's return, the producers agreed to try a wider scope of storylines. However, although it continued for two more seasons, the show never fully returned to its former glory. Many cast members, such as Tom Wolpat, uh, described the miniature car effects newly incorporated to depict increasingly absurd General Lee and patrol car stunts. Um, if you remember, they went from jumping actual cars to the little miniatures on set, making it look like it was the actual cars and such. Mm. So, a little Hollywood trickery there. And they say it, whatever was taken as well, based on that, and fans can tell the difference in it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it had to do with the budget. The miniature car effects were intended as a budget-saving measure because I guess they gave them more money to come back and they made cuts in other places. Yeah, they 
you can tell because in the when they're actually using the real cars, when the car lands, you can see the cars destroyed. Oh yeah. And then they, the next scene, it's fine, but you can, if you watch it close enough, you can see the cars destroyed when they land. Yeah. Uh, um, John Schneider called out the exact number of cars. I don't remember what it was now, but they're saying here the show estimated to have gone through 250 to 355 cars during the filming. And that's just the Dodge Chargers. Yeah, that's not including the uh, uh, Plymouth Furies and uh, Dodge whatevers that because they started out uh, Roscoe had a different car than Enos and then Eventually got where they were both driving the Dodge or the Plymouth Fury police cars. Yeah. And they would go through probably four of those, four or five of those at least the episode. Yep. And uh, here's where it starts talking about some of the cars now. Go a little bit deeper into it here. I see something about what you mentioned earlier. Traveler was originally intended to be the name of the Duke Boy stock car, too, like in the TV show, until the producers agreed that General Lee had more punch to it. So, they didn't go with that based on it. Let's see if we go a little further down here. Duke Boy's added the custom air horn to the General Lee that played the first 12 notes of the song Dixie. The Dixie horn was not originally planned until a Georgia local hot rod racer drove by and sounded his car's Dixie horn. The producers immediately rushed after him, asking where he had bought the horn. Because like they knew they had to have that at that point. No. The only car on TV that rivaled the General Lee stunts was on an opposing network. Can you name that car? Probably Knight Rider. It is Knight Rider. You are correct. And it was on NBC. Right. So that's why I said it's on, the, on the, one of the opposing networks there. Yeah. Uh, one episode. There's only one episode in the entire series that the, the general lead is not appearing. It's the third episode. It says Mary Kay's Baby. It's the only one that's generally not appear. Instead, the Dukes drove around in a blue 75 Plymouth Fury borrowed from Cooter that Luke later destroyed by shooting a flaming arrow at the car whose trunk had been leaking due to the moonshine sewed in the back. I remember that episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been as long ago since I've seen it. I mean, it's been here recently that I've seen it as well, being yeah. it's in the first season. But it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's the Plymouth Fury. It's the same car that uh, Sheriff Little drove and, Enos drove, and then Roscoe ended up driving. It's that same generic, you know, not going off subject, but even like on the TV show Hunter, they used a bunch of those for that show. Yeah. That was like a generic police car from the early 80s. Yeah, they got a picture of it here showing 1970s era Plymouth Fury, similar to the one used in the series. Uh, they talk also about the other had the hazard police cars were AMC Matador, Dodge Polaris, Dodge Monaco's and Plymouth Furies. Yep. That's what they had. Um, so other cars in the show, Plymouth Roadrunner, 1974 Plymouth Roadrunner, yellow with a black stripe, was Daisy Duke's car in the first five episodes of the first season. 
For the last episodes of the first season, a similarly painted 71 Plymouth satellite Sebring with a matching Roadrunner stripe was used. In the second season, Bo and Luke send it off a cliff in the Runaway episode. Another identical Plymouth 1971 model car appeared in the background for a few more episodes, along with the Jeep uh, CJ7 until it was finally dropped all together. Uh, the Jeep CJ7, which she had nicknamed Dixie, uh, I guess where it had Dixie on it when it was given to her, uh, was named given to Daisy Duke's white 1980 Jeep CJ7 Golden Eagle, which had a Golden Eagle emblem on the hood and the name Dixie on the sides. Uh, like right. other vehicles on the show, there was actually more than one Jeep used throughout the series. So, yeah, it had the uh, daisy. It had a string of daisies run through where it said Dixie. Yeah, yep. I mean, very. That's a now that is a very uh, unique fact to know. I mean, it's a very detailed in the car. A lot of people wouldn't notice that. Yeah, but it's directly tied to her at that point, of course, being that her name is Daisy. Yeah. That, that they do this. Uh, the Ford F100 pickup truck, Uncle Jesse's truck, was a white Ford pickup truck. Most commonly a sixth generation 73 to 77 F100 style side. However, in the earlier episodes, it had a flare side bed and varied between the F100 and F250 models. Uh, the Cadillac DeVille, 1970 Cadillac DeVille convertible was Boss Hogg's car. Had bullhorns on the hood ornament. Always driven by a chauffeur. Yep. Obviously, that was the goofiest looking car that I'd ever seen. Um, Ford Custom 500, a green and blacked out 1971 Ford Custom 500 sedan. This was Jesse's car. Black yeah. Tilly. Okay. Yeah, it was Black Tilly. It was once used by Uncle Jesse to make moonshine runs. They used it in one of the episodes where they were going to make the uh, take the moonshine up there for the government to, to see about running uh, cars on some new type of fuel. No. And the way yep. he got rid of the moonshine was he poured it all in the gas tank and ran it all out. Yeah. Now, does it lit? There was one where they did like a bootlegger, or uh, they didn't call it bootlegger, they called it Ridge Runner, a Ridge uh -huh. Runner race. And Boss had a one of them had a uh, like a a green Mustang and the other one had a flat black Camaro or maybe it was vice versa. Does it uh, list you know, I, I can remember it, but I, I don't remember you know what was what at that point. Yeah, I just remember it was funny because one had a Mustang, one had a. Camaro, and they were like late sixties models, both of them. But they were, well, I want to say one was green and one was black, but they were both like flat color, like they looked like they'd been sitting out in the pasture somewhere forever. All the shine was gone from them. Yeah, and of course the theme song they brought up, uh, "Perform by Waylon Jennings." The song "Good Old Boys" was written before by Waylon Jennings. He also was also the balladeer is credited and served as narrator of the show. I believe, uh, now, I, I, I'm assuming the song was out before the TV series came out, because the song itself has more than one verse to it. Uh, a lot of people think it's just the theme song of the Dukes of Hazard, but there's an actual song where the entire 
part of the Deuce of Hazard is there, followed by more guitar playing and followed by another verse. I think it came out. He actually wrote like the beginning, and then because if you listen to the other verses that goes with it, it actually he actually talks about uh, his mama not liking it because the uh, they only show his hands on TV. Here it is right here, the 1980, the song reached number one on the American Country Chart and peaked at 21 on Billboard Hot 100. And uh, the second verse, yeah, it says something about uh, they keep us showing my hands and not my face on TV. Yeah. That's how the, the verse ends up going. Broadcast history, here's what you were talking about earlier. The series originally broadcast in America on CBS, Friday nights at 9 p.m. and later 8 p.m., preceded by Dallas. Until TNN, the national network, was purchased by Viacom, it aired reruns of the Dukes of Hazard. Some months after the creation of the national network changed to Spike TV, the program was absent from much of the television for quite some time. So that was the beginning of the end, I guess you could say right there. Yeah. Um, there were different places they had on syndication, mostly like Superstation channels like WGN, uh, KX, uh, KTXL, WVTV in Milwaukee. Uh, KMSP in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, WKBD in Detroit, different places, different superstations would carry it for the longest time. Uh, nationwide, the show also aired on ABC Family from 2000, 2001 to 2004, and CMT from 05 to 07, OTM to 12 and 14 and 15, and TV Land in 2015. TV Land dropped the show in the wake of protests, controversy surrounding the display of the Confederate flag, like we mentioned earlier. Yep. The Nashville Network bought the Dukes of Hazard from Warner Brothers in 97 for well over $10 million. Not only did it improve the network's ratings, the show was also popular among younger viewers. A demographic TNN had a notorious difficulty in drawing, it says. So yeah, they messed up. They just messed up big. Yeah. Well, Bicon, what got them, really, because they were showing it, like I said, they. I think they run it two or three times a day, like, and they would they wouldn't like in order through the day, like they would run like, uh, the first show in a day, you know, they would be on one timeline, and the second show would be on another, and the, if it was a third one, it was on a totally different. So the show you wouldn't miss a show if you didn't miss a, a you know, a time. It would just you had to. Watch that time all the time. That way you could keep up with that, you know, the, you know, the play area they were going through. Like one would be like season, would be like season one. And, you know, and the next one would be like season and so forth. So they didn't play them exactly. In the, the time frame throughout the day wasn't in order, but like day to day was week to week shows. Right. And then we had several, well, I'm not going to say several. We had a couple of spinoffs of the show. Now, we had Enos. Um, they did 18 episodes of Enos. What was that? I don't remember that. You don't remember the spinoff for Enos? Where he goes oh. to the big city? He, he leaves the show. He gets accepted by the Los Angeles Police Department. And they see him off. And Daisy takes him to the airport to see him off and tells him to make Hazard County proud and show him what a Hazard County policeman can do. Uh, this is uh, 1980, a spinoff named Enos aired on CBS, starring Sonny Schroyer, and lasted 18 episodes before being canceled. Look it up on uh, on Google when we get off here. You'll see what I'm talking about. 
Uh, they'll show uh, some some scenes from it. He's a Sonny Schroyer's got some scenes online about it. Uh, shows who his partner was on there and how his partner is scared of his driving he's doing because he's jumping into town in the city, jumping things and uh, drifting around the block curves and stuff. And uh, then they had an animated version of the show called The Dukes. It was a cartoon by Henry Rivera. That. That's 1983. The first season fell under the Coy and Vance era. And then whenever uh, Bo and Luke came back, they took over and placed Coy and Vance in the cartoon as well. We have several uh, several video games based on the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, the Dukes of Hazard for ColecoVision, uh, ZX Spectrum, and it was also planned for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I don't know if it was made it or not. The Dukes of Hazard Racing for Home in ninety nine, Dukes of Hazard Two, Daisy Dukes It Out in two thousand, Dukes of Hazard Return of the General Lee in two thousand four. Um, and to top it all here, to go ahead and round us out, and then we'll get ready to wind the show up since we're at an hour and four minutes. We have uh, the TV movies. There were two made-for-TV reunion movies that aired on CBS. Dukes of Hazard Reunion in 1997 and the Dukes of Hazard Hazard in Hollywood in 2000. Uh, did you, do you remember seeing both of those? Yeah, the the first one was good because it was like people actually wanted to see it. it was, the second one was just like they were trying to dig for gold. Yeah, they were kind of forcing it on everybody. It was yeah, not... That, uh, I mean, you get the you get the Bo and Lou going to an area that would have been considered uh, not too safe for them, but they don't know a stranger. You know, the, the, yeah. they're never they weren't raised to know a stranger or nothing. Well, they're in a look what looks like a mostly Hispanic neighborhood, and uh, they're being stopped by these people. And I don't want to say they were a gang. I don't know if they were a gang or not. But if you ever watched uh, Prison Break. Um, one of the main characters from Prison Break, uh, Amari, I can't remember his last name. He was in the Fast and Furious, uh, Too Fast and Furious as well. Uh, as one of the drivers, uh, he was uh, in this in the TV movie for this one as well. And they end up helping them get what they're looking for. It had something to do with uh, something that got stolen. They were selling for like the orphanage or something to get money for the orphanage. Yeah, like that. I remember, like, because the first one came out, I was a senior in high school. And, mm-hmm. like, all of my friends and stuff, you know, everybody that was around my age was, like, had it down. This is what time this show's coming, or this movie's coming on TV. You know, whatever we're doing got to be done with by this time so we can be home and watch this show. Right. Everybody wanted to see it. But the second one, it was just like kind of, well, hey, this was so much success. Let's make another. Well, the, the first movie was the Maple TV movie was good. Uh, they had some people on there that I didn't recognize at first till later on, uh, watching some of these B martial arts movies. They had Cynthia Rothrock in that movie. Yeah, uh, she she was a girl that was fighting who she ended up fighting her boyfriend at the end of it. I think before she became champion or something. Yeah, um, big dude. Yeah, real big dude. Thought that was funny. The show itself, like I mentioned earlier, the the first airing of the show, January twenty sixth, nineteen seventy nine, for thirteen episodes. The last season, September twenty first, nineteen eighty four, to February fifth of eighty five. Seventeen episodes. In between, then the biggest season they had was season four with twenty seven episodes. 
and the rest of them had like 23, 23, 22, and 22. So after they were first, you know, after it first took off, they went real well for a while. But, you know, the last season even dropped off a little bit and you, the writing was on the wall. I, I've heard there were some crazy episodes that were done in the last couple of seasons that just didn't make no sense and no one thought that, you know, it was going to last much longer and sure enough, it didn't. Yeah. So makes me want to go back and watch season six and seven now so I can see how it declined, just so I can see what it was like. I I, yeah. I, I, I own them all on Voodoo, like I told you earlier, on digital download, but I haven't gone no further than the fourth season yet. I just I took a break from watching or some other stuff. It might be time to get back and refresh my memory a little bit more with it now. Yeah. So, well, Ray, we are sitting at a minute. A minute. I do this every week. We're sitting at an hour and eight minutes. 37 seconds. Uh, this is about average for us, I guess. We've gone pretty deep into the show. We talked about the replacements with Chloe and Vance. We talked about the different vehicles in the show. We talked about uh, a couple of spinoffs, the cartoon and the Enos uh, series they had. We talked about the likeness of the movie Moon Runners. I'd say we pretty much covered the Dukes of Hazard, man. Yeah, for the most part. We could probably do a whole other show at some point, too, though. I'm sure we could. It, it would. I mean, this is uh, there are shows that I like that I could talk all day long about, and this is one of them. So, I mean, we could even go in and break an entire season down for a show, and it would still hold interest with the fans out there that like this, uh, yeah. this, this television series still today. There's still so much talk going on. The Cooters Place um, Museum thinks he has got three locations. Stay packed all the time. They sell a lot of stuff. And for those of you that just want the locations, Nashville, Tennessee where Opry Mills is, where Opry Lane used to be. You've got Pigeon Forge in Tennessee by Gatlinburg, and you've got Luray, Virginia. Uh, I'm not getting any anything for plugging these people. I'm just, I want people to enjoy the show and see the things. And uh, there's also a gentleman out there, I don't know his name, or I wish I could think of where he's located. You can probably find him on Google. But uh, he has a place that he's done. It looks like the Boar's Nest, and inside of it, it's a museum, but the outside's a replica of the Boar's Nest. Great job he's done on that. A nice collection he has as well. So uh, I hope a lot of people out there keep this up and keep the show alive. And, you know, just keep, if anything, keep it on your tongues. Keep talking about it. And maybe one day, you know, the people who've got, you know, their butts so tightly clenched shut that they could make a, how they say on Ferris Bueller, a diamond out of a lump of coal. Yep. Uh, maybe they'll get over and get their heads out of there and bring the show back on television for the younger generation now to enjoy. Yep. So that would be great. But Ray, I want to thank you for coming on this week with me, man, and co-hosting. This is something, no like problem, I said, man. that uh, I know you and I love this show a lot, and it's it's one of the things we can talk about forever. But uh, I guess for uh, listener purposes, we got to end it sometime. So. I'll go ahead and say for all of you who are listening to us today, thanks for listening to the show. As always, you're going to find us on everywhere you download your podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher. You can find us where we're hosted at currently on Anchor FM or Anchor.FM, I should say. And if you go listen to us on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you take a moment and give us a rating on there and Leave a couple of lines here for a quick review. Let us know what you think about the show. You liked it, you didn't like it. Uh, 
you know, you're ready to replace me or something because he sounds better than me. I don't know. Whatever you want to put on there is cool. I'm good with it. You know, Ray's, Ray's good with it too. He's laughing right now. He's good with it as well. He don't care. He's bringing it on. But uh, anyway, that being said, once again, Ray, thanks a lot. Oh, one no day, problem. Uh, one day down the road, we'll find another episode. Another episode will get you in. So that being said, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.